gentlemen and welcome to a brand new episode of the beats brews and points of view podcast i'm your host neil richter sitting with my partner in podcasting to my left e-man bates the pip that is me and we are coming from detroit city for episode 137 i hope <laughs> i was just gonna ask do you remember because it's been a couple months uh, since we recorded like... 135 135 135, 135. Yep. you were pretty close <laughs> staying alive with 135 <laughs> yeah that bg song shout out to the bgs <laughs> um well anyways to start the podcast off that was a song called big doinks um, which is a single released last year out of our good friends, um, the Music Collective at Casual. Um, the reason that I started the podcast off tonight with At Casual was because last weekend they got a pretty awesome opportunity. There was a um, Detroit concert series, like a one-day music festival thing going on downtown, um, and At Casual got to play on the bill on the same bill that Bootsy Collins was on. I know that's amazing, man. Super amazing, man. I know um, for Danny, our, our boy Danny, who is the bass player in At Casual, one of the founding members. Um, super big deal for him because that's one of his idols, you know. And uh, so I, I saw the photos of Danny's and everything, and I thought that was really cool. So I just wanted to shout out my boys in At Casual. Um, go check out their music. They've got, you know, they've been putting out a pretty steady. Um, stream of new music and stuff to listen to so go check out at casual but anyways um, coming up on the program tonight for you guys tonight um, I'm gonna let E-Man tell you guys what the topic is about I'm just gonna set it up briefly for him Um, so he had hit me um, a couple days ago kind of on some did you just see what Miguel uh, what Miguel did last night I was like what no I didn't even see it what happened so apparently Miguel did a concert in Los Angeles where he performed a new song called Rope or something, which has lyrics about being, you know, suspended or hanging or this and that, um, to where he actually did that on stage at the concert. He was suspended with the back hooks that I don't know if you've seen that form of thing that people do where they suspend themselves by hooks and stuff through their skin, pierced through their skin. And Ouch. he did it. <laughs> and everyone kind of had the same reaction of kind of like, uh, I don't think any of us really needed all that. <laughs> There's not one Miguel song that requires that. I, so, I haven't even heard the song. I can just tell you that's probably not it. Um, however, 
like I mean, if you you know if you into that life, that's cool. It kind of remind me. I don't know if you ever seen Hellraiser before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, hey, get it how you live it. I mean, some people are into that sort of thing. I'm not king shaming anybody. That's not what we do on BBPOV. Anywho, <laughs> exactly. this is not what that is about. And, uh, and 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 basically, really, what it was was something to drum up people to talk about him, right? Because right. it's not something that's gonna turn us off so bad that we're not gonna listen to no Miguel's next song that he puts out. It's just something that's weird that got us talking, and it, so I guess it served its purpose. But that's not the first time that's happened in the music industry. This has been going on forever. There's always been tips, tricks, gimmicks, and everything in between used to sell records and push their business forward. Um, so, E-Man, why don't you tell them what the idea that was stemmed from this Miguel and gimmicky thing that you brought to me or like this pop this in my head. So man. Yeah. Uh, if you ever heard the term shock value before. Mm hmm. So for those who aren't familiar, uh, shock value Webster defines shock value as a term in which one uses usefulness to surprise, usually to upset people. There are countless examples of shock value in music, film, fashion, art, literature, and all other mediums of creativity. For these purposes of the show, I'm actually gonna kick it. Neil and I are just gonna stick to the music aspect of things. So we're gonna focus on shock value through the decades. You have from Elvis's gyrating hips of the <laughs> 50s, getting everybody all worked up and thinking there's a devil's music, to uh, George Clinton wearing diapers on stage and the psychedelic rock aspect of things when you know they were looking at that futuristic kind of sound to it and that was very different from that time to Marilyn Manson self-harm, like cutting himself on the forehead with a beer bottle on stage and, and kind of bringing it out. Boobs. And, <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> to even more recent, you have the Cardi and Meg whapping into the 2020s. <laughs> so yes, you do. there's so many different aspects of it. I mean, from you know, Marilyn Manson self-harm mutilation from outfits from sex and like just how you like present yourself there's so many different ways shock value has brought into our culture uh i mean there's gross out there's body harm there's yeah there's you plenty know, of different yeah. <laughs> uh, ways to address it but yeah so we'll talk about so that today, for a little bit so we're going to talk about the ones that made people famous and some that may have had people live in infamy for a while exactly because there is definitely a fine line and it can go the opposite way and hurt you if you don't execute correctly um but yeah so also we're gonna get um to that we're gonna discuss um something in the wwe world quickly and also uh round it out with a something old something new um but before we get into this um topic that e-man just um let you guys in on um, E-Man, what you got as far as the old drinks go for us? All right, man. So, first and foremost, I just want to say I'm still proud to my brother Neil over here. Yeah. He's seven months strong on a no-alcohol yeah, kick. Yeah, coming in on seven. But he's 30 years strong on the marijuana kick. <laughs> 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 Not 30 years. That would be insane. <laughs> I didn't start at six. Anyway, so 
I decided we're gonna split it up. So on this show, we're gonna work in we're gonna work in more tea, more coffee, mm-hmm. CBD drinks, and in this case, a THC CBD drink. Yeah, I'm still gonna stick to my beer, but I'll switch in. I'll switch in and switch out every once in a while. So for me this week, and I guess I'll explain one, you explain the yep. other. Mm-hmm. So for me this week, I I don't know how I'm gonna feel about this beer. I'm just gonna keep it a buck with you guys. But I picked it up because it sounded interesting. Uh, from Death Steel Brewing, I have the Dill Pickle Sour Beer. Uh, I think it's a uh, goes if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So on Untapped, the description is. This tart, citrusy flavor of a Death Steel Ghost Ale combined with this unmistakably zesty, garlicky flavor flavor of a sucker punch dill pickle to create a uniquely delicious knockout flavor experience. Cheers! I gotta level with you, my friend. That sounds, sounds fucking repulsive. This sounds... <laughs> but I hate pickles, so... <laughs> I actually love pickles. I don't mind pickle juice. Here's the thing. I don't like pickle backs. I don't mm. mind pickle juice directly, but like... I don't know. I, I just find people who mix booze, specifically whiskey and pickles, to just... And it's incredibly popular. Be people i want to hang out with anyway um so (laughs) (laughs) um yeah we're gonna try it man and then on the neil side we have i've got over here a nice sweet justice um fruit pacific island punch um from the sweet people or from the people over here at sweet justice um let's see let's tell you guys a little bit about them let's see just a few friends joining forces with a simple purpose Bring people closer together and spark more joy through the surprising, delightful, and unexpected experience that is Sweet Justice. See, I really like this because um, this is something I've been wanting for a while as a good infused beverage. Because I do like a beverage more than I like, uh, you know, having to eat edibles every time. But um, this one is just a light one. It's nothing crazy. It's just uh, 10 milligrams THC, 5 milligrams CBD, so it's not going to knock you out or anything like anything nuts um so i could definitely enjoy this before we uh record this episode like this and class, jazz fest. wow that smells gar- gross. garlic bro <laughs> oh, God. yeah it's it's super oh, it is super pungent on pungent on the garlic i'm not even gonna lie it is definitely man I, the thing you about smell pickles, that through the camera wow <laughs> <You> really can <laughs> But mine is going to be nice and fruity, and I've already tasted it, and it kind of reminds me of almost like, if I were to relate it to alcohol, almost like one of those, um, not the Four Locos, but kind of like one of those, like, uh, kind of like one of those Smirnoff beverages almost, a little bit. That's kind of like the uh, the juice flavor of one of these. kind of is like a little bit of a Four Locos, or no, that's what it is. It's like a Mike's Hard kind, or not Mike's Hard, um... Not your father's root beer. There was like a, a peach, maybe it was a peach Mike's Hard or something like that. That's kind of what this tastes like to me. But this is good, I think. I so think. the selling point on me for the Sweet Justice, I saw like a flyer in one of the dispensaries I go to. And it said, uh, <laughs> he was like, when I when I sell my principal weed as a bud tender, after him confiscating mine two years ago, that's sweet justice. <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty hilarious. 
That's funny. But yeah, I like this. I would definitely come back to this because um, I'm a big fan of the beverages. And like E-Man said, I'm not drinking booze no more. Um, six and a half months uh, removed from it. Feeling pretty great. Dog, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not a fan. Is it I gross? I'm not a fan. <laughs> it's, uh, What's the percentage again? Did you say that? Four point. It's like 5.4, 4. Oh, 5.2. 5.2. So pretty average. It's a right. I mean, it's a sour. Yeah, normal. Uh, it's still brewing out of normal Illinois. There is nothing normal about this beer, dog. Um, do you feel <laughs> like that you could probably use it to like make a Bloody Mary with? Maybe you definitely. I don't like Bloody Mary. I don't either. But I don't, I, like adding clamato juice is another. Yeah, clamato juice. No, no, thank you. Thing Not in the equation juice there. Shit, basically. Uh, uh, gross. You probably could. And for people who love pickle juice, I would highly recommend this. I'm very indifferent. I love pickles. Pickle juice is okay to me. Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not feeling this. I'm just be honest with you. It's not my cup of tea. Uh, I do love sours and I do love pickles, but I do not like sour pickle beer. Apparently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. Uh, I don't even have to taste that to tell you I don't like it because I can tell just by the smell that it's. Not for me. I'm I'm like I have like a weird I kinda want some of that, to be honest. Wash it down. You like you like you like the glass though? Like shout out to Arctic Circle. I love the penguin. Shout out to Devin, shout out to Arctic Circle, our lovely sponsors and Devin Eric. Love you guys. Love you guys. Um but yeah, man, uh, I, I have like a weird hang up about vinegar. So it's much more for me that pickle hate is much more about the vinegar. I get that. That comes with it. I don't I like the smell, smell of vinegar. I That's never, what it is. I never like the smell of vinegar. I can't get past the smell. It's like apple cider vinegar and shit. That's Bro. all you like to like to yep. the shots of it. It's supposed it. to be good for first you. Of all, gut health or whatever. First of all, it is good for you. It's great for you. Mm-hmm. But they break down. It's so acidic. It breaks down your teeth and shit like that. Mm. Like they enable. So you got to watch out for that. Wow, so that's why the gummies. That. That's why the gummies are way better for you. But Oh, that's crazy. But uh, anyways, yeah, let's get into it, man. I'm gonna um, be, I'm a, I'm just be honest. I'm gonna be very sober for this episode. I'm not gonna finish it. <laughs> <laughs> you can just sit there and yeah. you just get the aroma. Of it. That's still brewing. I would love to try. I love the artwork, and I would love to try anything else you guys put out that is not pickle related. I'm just gonna, <laughs> not not to say anything. Knock on you guys. It's just yeah. Anyway, all right, let's go into the episode, dog. But yeah, so. Kind of back to what E-Man was talking about with, you know, doing stuff to shock, to get your name out there, um, the pros and cons of it. If it is, is it a good thing um, for an artist to try to do this or is it a bad thing? And and I think, you know, we want to start in the, the beginning and go back to like, you know, Elvis was like one of our first big, you know, mainstream white artists that was doing black music that really became this big popular cultural still to this day massive success story you know and um and as e-man said the gyrating th- hips thing that one would be a tough one and, and I, I do want to say today's time you don't have to really be that creative about it you, it's so much easier today to get away with it and we'll get there but we wanted to start back then um but the gyrating hips thing i'm not convinced that was like an industry thing that they want him to do as much as, as it was like an Elvis idea because Or did he steal it from Forrest Gump? <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> um but yeah because they wouldn't even show it on TV at first. When he was first doing it, the the TV guys would have to pan up and only show Elvis from the waist up. So like I think it was definitely something that was more in Elvis's head that he wanted to do. 
And, you know, it could have been something as simple as he was just feeling the music. And that's just how he got down. But it definitely got talked about, which only made women want it more, right? Because it became like a forbidden fruit type of thing, right? right? So, like... I mean, you have this, like, white dude doing black music. Mm -hmm. And I think... Do you think it actually came down to, like, a racial element in a way where it's like... Yeah, this guy, he's... He's... He's, uh... He's bringing this level of like, he's bringing this blackness into our household almost in a way. I you bet think you, it was something I, like I definitely that? think so. Probably from the 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 white youths, um, you know, parents and stuff like that for sure, definitely. And um, and when you said playing race into it, there's no way. I mean, black black artists couldn't even really be on TV like that. No, you know and, that, I mean? and, that, like, and that's that's what I'm saying because he was because Elvis took that art form and made it palatable for mm-hmm. white children. That's which true. We can go into new metal and that's way later. In, but, anyway, <laughs> so, um, but that's true. And you know, and it doesn't stop there. It certainly worked for Elvis and, and you know, it, it also, I guess in a way kind of changed the game because then, you know, it, it kind of um, extended the bar of what could be, shown on television right and what could get uh what people could get away with and probably put ideas into other people's heads of you know okay well this was i saw this work for elvis so what could be my thing you know what i mean what could i go and do right now to make a name for myself and i mean it's a a, a tale as old as time sex sells right that's a big time that's a a phrase for a reason so um even before, so as far as like Sex, women, and rock and roll, baby, definitely. And as far as women in music goes, you're always even before we um, want to know what she sounds like, especially in today's time, you want to know what she looks like, right? So like, if a woman is good looking, she's already got a leg up on the game, um, as if if she was like an average looking, you know, artist. And we see it all the time, you know, with uh, Britney Spears and stuff. She was a pretty average singer, right? It was more about marketing her sex appeal and stuff like that that may still makes me cringe that when that was that the what was the video yeah, when she was like 16 yeah dude hit me baby one more yeah, time when she in the fucking schoolgirl <laughs> outfit i'm like jesus <laughs> hit me baby one more time when like most people that are 16 are like just experiencing sex for the first time <laughs> she's making it palatable for kids it's not quite her fault but no that yeah. was that was an industry thing for yeah. sure and there's definitely industry planty shit that you're like, wow, this is foul. <laughs> I mean, and then my thing is, is like, getting off, well, I guess we can go into Elvis, but then you go into like the 70s when like the psychedelic rock era was coming on. People that, got real and, weird. And hair bands was coming on. That's when you like got like, say like, you know, like a Led Zeppelin or something like that, getting into like the cultish shit. Kind yeah. Of like, like getting down stage. Then you got like the psychedelic aspect with the like the outfits and mm-hmm. things like that. It's starting to become more like playing to more like taboos, I guess, in a yep. way. And that's kind of bringing this reaction out of people to kind of draw like folks in. So, I mean, what's your I guess what's your take on that when it goes into? I think part of that, and I think part of the um, as far as the shocking and more flamboyant dressing styles of the seventies went. I think that was more brought on by psychedelic drugs. I think that played into the fashion sense of the George Clintons, of the Sly Stones, of, you know, the people that were really heavily experimenting with 
LSD and mushrooms and all these kind of psychedelics and and they were doing hard shit too <laughs> obviously right. um, do you think that like say when you know like when they have a mainly more it's like the like kind of like the cuz they were had like the occultist thing going on there too do you think that was like targeted towards more christian families i guess to get a reaction out of the kids what do you mean by cultish stuff of cult, occult, occult, like, like in what sense, like the like Marilyn Zepp- Manson shit? Uh, I mean, not Marilyn Manson. I mean uh, Charles Manson shit. Because Led Zeppelin, there wasn't really like, like cults. I no, mean, I mean occult. So like when they get into like the dark elements of like music and shit like that, when they're talking about like you know people playing tracks backwards and things oh, like that, that's yeah. what I'm talking. That's about. definitely yeah. like gimmicky shit yeah. for sure. And a lot of the times it was it couldn't have been further from the truth. And I know you had brought up like um, in that same kind of a similar era was like Ozzy Osbourne biting right the head off the bat, bat. Yep. and that definitely became synonymous with his name forever. Literally right. to this day, people still bring that up. Um, so and there was you know rumors of like Alice Cooper like throwing like a chicken into the crowd and the crowd like ripped it up and threw it back on stage. And Alice Cooper's gone on to say that. That didn't even really happen. He's like, he's like, that just, he's like, somehow that rumor just took off and had legs of its own. And, you know, back then, you, you, there was no fact checking shit on the internet. You know, a rumor just kind of existed and took a life on of its own. So, um, but yeah, there was definitely, there's definitely always been shocking um, ways that um they've done it and like we were just saying it had to have been more of a creative and more of a natural thing uh in the beginning but now i think it's so commonplace and so um hyper uh it's so relevant like at at every aspect with social media like you can you could drum up like i don't need i think some of the i think people get into fake internet relationships just as part of a rollout for an album you know like this person's dating like taylor oh, yeah, swift absolutely. is dating the lead singer of the 1975 that's like, that's interesting. i think like all that shit is just like they they put that shit together this is gonna help you sell albums this is gonna help me sell albums because people are gonna talk about it for two days on social media and then my, my record sales are gonna go up i'm and glad shit you like said that that, <laughs> that happened so I, i'm playing i was playing wwe 2k23 right mm-hmm and there's like a story or my rise where you take on like a you're pretty much starting as like you know like a bare metal wrestler trying to make it in and stuff like that. One of the things because uh, you either start with the female wrestler I think is I forgot what the actual storyline was, but anyway, one of the missions is uh, not one of the missions, but one of the storylines you could take is to have like a fake boyfriend to kind of like boost like the the inst- like the Twitter numbers or whatever was going mm-hmm. on, whatever the fake social media was. He goes. Hey, yeah, I see you're on and Sami Zayn, which in the game he was, you know, real wrestler. But yeah, he comes yeah. up, he comes up to like my character, goes, "Hey, I know we could do like, cause I see you on the rise. You know what? What if we kind of like fake a relationship? I come out during, I come out during your match just to get people talking. <laughs> you're like, <laughs> he goes like, and then uh, you agree to it, and then like the commentators like, what? Why is Sami Zayn sitting ringside at her match? And then. Other people want to get in on it, so they start like this like love triangle thing with her and Liv Morgan in the game and things like that, and it sparks this whole shit on the social on the fake social media in the game. Mm-hmm. 
how are we relating that to it? There's absolutely label decisions to have fake relationships mm-hmm. out there to get shock value on album. There is sure. no fucking way that's not true. Like there's there's certain well, ways like around release dates. There, I mean, I, you know, one of the biggest things to me is like the the gimmicks of like the actual beefs that go on too. Yep. Because that's another thing to actually draw record sales. So that's also part of the shock value of... And the, when, the fake gangbanging in your rhymes, too. <laughs> I mean, that's a whole different conversation. That mean, no, it's, I, it's a similar conversation, but it's also very different. I have a but very, yeah. very recent uh, example of what you're just speaking about, actually. So just recently, you know, obviously everybody knows Cardi B and Offset from the Migos are a couple and, you know, a very famous one at that. Um, well, you know... They both start accusing each other. Or no, he starts accusing her of cheating on him. This is like the last month um, on social media, right? He's, oh, my wife's cheating on me. She's this and that. And then she's talking back. And it's very public. And to a normal sane person like me, I'm thinking, why the fuck are they? Why is this online at all? And then, duh, one week later, they have a song come out together. And I'm like, oh, and the whole topic of the song is cheating on your spouse and this and that and i'm like duh roll out here it is so and that that i mean and i'm not even mad at it because it makes sense it's, it's like free marketing it gets the people ways. going <laughs> yeah <laughs> it, it really does and it's um it's unfortunately i that that one doesn't bother me like if it's cute or like playful like that it doesn't bother me but when you start to um, when the gimmicks and the nonsense, like the the Christian rocks and the blue faces of the world, when the gimmicks outweigh the art that you're trying to promote or the product you're trying to promote, then it's I think when it becomes a problem because now no one gives a shit about that. Also art. goes into like the music industry being dead and we just kind of selling personalities too. That's a hundred percent right. That's, that's you're you're a hundred percent right. But, <laughs> They're just marketing personalities. They're finding. Who pops the most on social media? Who gets the most, you know, people talking about him? And then they say, and I'll be honest, I, I think Cardi B has put in a valiant effort as far as becoming a rapper. I think she um, delivers every time. Whether she's writing her bars is not really my concern. I don't really care. She makes good music. Um, she makes good music. Yeah. And she delivered and she nails the execution of her songs. So she really does try. But if you think about how she got started, she was a loud, boisterous person on IG. And then that brought her to Love and Hip Hop. Got her a contract with Mona Scott and them. And she was beloved on there. She got some good writers, some good people to make some great songs for her. And now she's the biggest female rap artist that's out. And she hasn't released an album in five years. <laughs> so what are do you have any examples of when an artist tries a shock value route and it backfires i'm trying to think of one i I, like i just said the christian rock and Blueface definitely is one although it's probably keeping money in their pockets at the same time like it kind of leaves them almost like you know nobody talks about them anymore like they had a moment their art nobody has a they have a moment and then it's kind of fizzle out yeah like no but you know the goal isn't if you're taking that route without anything to follow it up with, then you know there's no longevity in it, and you're oh. trying to get as much out of it as you can in that moment, which is I, I get it. There's yeah. also a fine, I kind of I know one that I can think of. So, um, rest in peace to Sinead O'Connor, she just passed away a couple weeks ago, R. I. P., yeah. And, um, 
she and and I don't want to confuse shock value for ex- freedom of expression and expressing how you want to dress, how you want to say, if you want to make statements. But there is a fine line there, there because a political statement or something very jarring could also be shock value. You know what I mean? So like Sinead O'Connor was very very famous for going on Saturday Night Live and ripping up a picture of pro, uh, the Pope um, as she was performing because it was right around the time that all the allegations of the molestation of priests and altar boys and all that stuff started coming out. And that outshined her art for a long time after that because people more so attributed her to doing that more than they did her actual music. And I'm not to say that she wasn't a phenomenal artist because she made a lot of great music after that, but it definitely was outshined by that, um, by that. And it turned a lot of people off um, from even giving her a shot in the first place. But I mean, there's, there's always been weird stuff that people um, have done, like even continuing from the seventies into the eighties and like the punk rock scene. There was a lot of shock value shit in the punk rock scene. Like, you know, they would regularly cut themselves with broken glass and stuff on stage, roll around in their blood, knock each other out. Perfect segue. (laughs) Marilyn Manson. That was the other one. Like, they call him the king of shock rock. Right. That's his nickname. Mm -hmm. Breaking, like, uh, I mean, and I can relate anything back. I love that I'm such a, like, I've been researching my wrestling shit because I can relate everything back to wrestling in a way. But Marilyn Manson has this thing where I think it was like I was looking it up like 94, 95 or something like that. He just took like a straight up beer bottle and just like cutting himself on his head to mm-hmm. get a reaction out of the crowd. You ever heard of Deathmatch Wrestling, Neil? Celebrity Deathmatch? No, not Celebrity Deathmatch. Death, Deathmatch Wrestling. No. That's a it's a specific like type of wrestling. No. It's when you get to like they take like the the light strip. What do you call it? The thumbtacks. Oh, and the like lights some and, uh, like Cactus Jack. Like, like ECW, uh, but harder. Actually, uh, rest in peace, Terry Funk. It was R.I.P. Like, Terry like, Funk. Terry man. Funk type shit. Big time. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Terry Funk. But yeah, like that whole form of like self self mutilation to kind of get a reaction out of a crowd and things like that. As for a specific demographic of people mm-hmm. that can, you know, that's handle it, but there is there, I guess, it, I don't know. I guess there's longevity for people Bro, like I, that in wrestling, obviously, but as like an artist, is there any longevity in things like that, you think? I don't know. It's, you definitely, well, think about it. There is, if you do it right. Can, can somebody in 2023 come in and do that now? I think there is ways to do it because... I'm trying to think like I'm, I'm trying not to confuse expression and and this but in a way this is sort of a gimmick as well like but also very creative um David Bowie always reinvented himself like every new album he had like a new character a new a part to go along with what he was doing so it was all part of this presentation it got you intrigued on what he would do you know he'd pop out and be seen as this new person, new character, Ziggy Stardust. Like, what the fuck is this about? I'm so intrigued now. I want to see it. So, um, and that always kind of made him sort of an enigma in a way. Like, you know, it kind of made him live off in uh, his own little place. So there's things like that. Um, I don't know. I think. I feel like you might. 
do do you get typecast as that guy? Can you come? My point is, can you come back and do a Ziggy Stardust if oh. you start off that? If you're if you're very, that's a good point. So you don't want to. Do you, or do you put it, yourself in a box? Yeah, you don't want to start it so gimmicky that it's um, being made fun of is the only like... So like a riffraff. I don't think riffraff could ever get himself out of the box that is riffraff. Right. Even if he made a super lyrical deep album tomorrow, I don't know if it could bounce his image out of this like really dumb kind of character that we see him as. Do you know what I mean? You got, I mean, you got people like a Corey Taylor that can kind of bounce between worlds. That's too. true. He definitely yes. did it with the Stone Sour shit. The Stone, and and, his, and his solo over, shit. And yeah. his solo stuff, too. Because I remember the first time I heard a Stone Sour song, that like acoustic song that got really popular. Looking, uh, the Looking Glass, whatever. Something like that, yeah. yeah. But I was like, that you, you, know, you don't have to follow. Or whatever the hell that song was. It was like the first Stone Sour song that got really popular, but... That blew me away. I was like, holy shit, this is the Slipknot guy? So, yeah, I think there can be. Or look at um, Lil Yachty. With more recently? More recently, doing I, this uh, psychedelic rock shit. That shocked the hell out of me. Yachty. But in a great way. I love seeing that because that was one of those ones where somebody, we, we see a Yachty grow in real time mm-hmm. compared to like... What was it? Broccoli with Dram and things like that. Yeah. I think that was my introduction. That's probably yeah. most of people's introduction yep. to Yachty. Seeing that to like the artist he's becoming. I mean, we watched him grow in real time. Yeah. He didn't really start from like a. He didn't really do any play with any shock value shit to me though. I do love that. Don't get no, me wrong. I love no. that aspect. I think that would be more of yeah. I guess that's I would not really say, shock value. I was just me more me sh- being shocked by hearing a different Sonic that would come in. Um, I mean, you have like a peep, you know, like, I mean, there's a, like a Tyler is another one that will do that. Like Yonkers, Ida Roach, Hung Yourself. I now, think Shotgun plays it. Then you got uh, the growth into what he is now. But I think a lot of people are doing it with um, the face tats, the the wild hairstyle and color. I see that. The different, you know, crazy, who can wear the most platform, who's got like a thousand chains on. That's all an, an attempt at shocking and attention-seeking behavior. Um, so, do you think like, I mean, I, I do feel like a lot of the SoundCloud era was that, mm-hmm. was, you know, that like type of artist kind of going down and getting, you know, the face tats. That, I mean, that was also a lot of Lil Wayne's bonds too. Yeah. That... Yeah, my face looks like, you know, like a detention desk or some shit. Uh, Or even, uh, and I guess a lot of it also, though, is because, you know, music is generally going to sound somewhat similar in a way. And so you got to find what makes you stick out amongst the hundreds of thousands of other musicians that are making stuff. So, like, an example of that, um, so I want to say rest in peace to Wayne Shorter, the jazz legend who, you know passed away just a couple months ago and you know jazz fest detroit's going on right now so rest in peace to wayne shorter i want to say that but i just got done watching there's a three-part documentary series about his life and legacy on amazon prime called zero gravity and he talks about when he was starting out with his brother and they were trying to come into their own sound and figure out what they wanted to do 
they did a similar thing. They had these brimmed hats that they would cut the brim off of, and so it just kind of made them look at these tall hats. And they would wear these super long trench coats that went down to their feet, and they would both carry briefcases. His brother said Dr. Strange on it, and his said Dr. Weird. And he said he was like, in a way, that was us picking out like our superhero costumes or our wrestling hero costumes that we would go and, you know, see these people with. So it was something that would get imprinted in their brain that they would remember us by, you know, even beyond the music. So there's a bit of it in, in, in everything, but I guess some of it's more egregious and, and, uh, and some of it's more corny than others, really. <laughs> There's also like a lot of artists that will play into it. And I don't know, and this is definitely in the marketing too, but I mean, some might be legit, but play into like a lot of political shock things. Oh, too. for sure. There's a lot of that. Like, I think I showed you the, the MIA video. Mm-hmm. And did you see that in the watching that video, by the way? Wait, a recent MIA the, video? The, no, this was like maybe like 2010. No, I didn't see this. Uh, it was a video, and so that link I sent you, there was like three videos that got banned from YouTube and MTV and things oh, like okay. that. They're all female artists, but all three different types of like reasons why they got banned. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one was, I think it was Lady Gaga. Uh, not Lady, yeah, Lady Gaga. Telephone was the first one. It was MIA. I think the song was called Born Free, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. And then the other one was a Erica Badu song. I forgot the name of it was, huh. but it was like she was like stripping through like the street. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. seen that video? I do remember that. Yep. And but they all three different reasons why they got banned. But it was all like the MIA one was more of like a political statement, and it was more gruesome. It was more violence that was going on. Uh. It was kind of like a take on, I don't know, I, I mean, I don't know exactly what the take she was getting, but what I got out of it, it kind of reminded me of, say, like when the holo- like in the Holocaust, where they were like stripping Jewish people out of their homes and things like that, and put them in internment camps yeah. and shooting them, or, you know, like firing squad style. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was that, but with gingers in the video. Hmm. Uh, That's interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, that was obviously a political, I mean, that was obviously a statement on, I don't know what was going on in 2010, probably. Yeah, but... You know that's that got banned for violence, which I mean I get like on a yeah. TV screen why you wouldn't see that, but at the same time MIA is that type of artist that you know is gonna stand by her shit mm-hmm. too. So shit, I can give one. you two recent examples uh, of that. Um, just hap- just right now. Um, take it over to country music, which we don't usually talk about on this program all that often. So be nice to work those in there. There's an artist called Jason Aldean oh, right shit. now who has this song about, you know, try that in a small town, which is overtly, you know, this rah-rah we, Republican kind of standpoint. about. We, we went to his restaurant in Nashville. Oh, yeah, we did. <laughs> but, I mean, it was just, just to get drink. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, you know, that's obviously the intention is to get a rise out of people. And then not even a week later, there's a different artist um, – a different country artist named Tyler Childers who made a very uh, opposite way song that got drummed up a lot of negative press from the country world for his standpoint. But a lot of people from outside of the country world were like, wow, I didn't know people in country had this standpoint where it was basically he's from Appalachian, uh, Appalachian Mountains um, in West Virginia. And it's basically a story about a, a gay coal mining couple 
that fell in love in the 1950s. And uh, it's just kind of like a whole story about that. And it was like really touching. I, I listened to it. And I was like, wow, this is like really well done. Right. Like, God damn. I mean, so like that's, those are definitely forms of that too. Or what, what one did you, uh, there was like a Doja even, Cat one that you brought up the other day. That was more like demonic shit. Yeah. But yeah. Um, so that's for the same I mean, purpose. one thing about like even political, I mean, you got like one of my favorite bands, System of a Down. And mm-hmm. one and one topic uh, like Surge specifically touches on a lot is, and because it kind of got swept under like the media rug, but like the Armenian genocide. Mm-hmm. And they talk about that quite a bit in their music. Yep. That's uh, one of their big things. Raging and the Machine. It, Raising Against the Machine, yeah. Um, and then you were talking about, you said something about like, what was the last video you were talking, before you went to Doja Cat, what did you say? Uh, before I went to Doja Cat, I was talking about the Tyler Childers one, which was the country one. Um, I think that was the last one I okay, was talking cause about. Okay, because I was about to say something about Little Nas X grinding on the, oh, de- we, grinding yeah, on the we, devil. I was going <laughs> to say, we can't get out of this conversation without speaking the about The king of social media. I mean, he did the pregnant belly thing, you know, all of that. And shit, it even goes, if we want to relate it to even, you know, sports and um, our field, Howard Stern changed the fucking game when it came to radio because he was doing wild outlandish shit on the radio that no one else was doing Big that was time. getting a rise out of people and that's why he became the biggest i mean that's not the only reason i'm not trying to diminish his interviewing skills and all that but it's a large part of the reason why he became so fucking massively popular what's so. the line of like making someone popular and i'm like oh i want to hear more from this guy and then they people see it and be like yo get him the fuck out of here <laughs> what's, where's the line i don't know that's that's what I want to talk to you about, like, yeah. is there is there a line or yeah, is it blurred? Like, is I it? Yeah, that, like, yeah, I think it's blurred and it's different. It depends on who you are, what demographic you fit into, and you know what what uh, what kind of people you have to piss off. I think stuff. this is the beauty of choice. You can kind of just like tune yeah. into what you want. Uh, your out al- my algorithms are probably different from the next person algorithms. Yeah. So, and that's the other thing is is to uh, you know. Now it's it's all algorithm driven, so it's you know who's gonna they're gonna draw up you know fake everything to get the algorithm to play into their favors as much as they can you know so I don't know it's just funny to me, but um, that's gonna go on forever and I think you're gonna continue to see it and I think it's only gonna get worse as you know we continue down the path of being self obsessed social media addicts. <laughs> so an an. An example of somebody that went down in infamy of shock value. Do you think Takashi is one of those people? I don't think it. Or no. Did, or did exactly right? No, because he probably would have been wildly successful if he wasn't actually a Fed. Because there was people buying that whack ass shit. Like people, dude. I'll never forget Joe Budden and them on that podcast. They were playing Takashi six nine, talking about this shit's hard before he. Got outed as a Fed, so yeah. yeah. But I mean, I, I'm like the shit that he does there now has, is more shock value. I would say, like dancing on people's graves and shit. That's what I'm saying, man. It's like you can't come back from that, and I feel no. like you're trying to squeeze this for much oh, yeah. as you can he's out trying. of it. But gotta, there's no I mean, longevity for in trying, him. but he's I mean, there, he's got no life he, left. Yeah, there's no way you can keep e. doing that. Yeah. <laughs> so like, where is how do you? How does an artist grow from that? 
from from a shock. I guess in their respective lane, whether it's the right way, political, you have- whether it's some demonic shit, whether it's like some gross shit, whether yeah. Well, there's two different ways you can do that. One, if your art or the product that you're putting out is so fucking good, it doesn't matter because we've seen it time and time again. People go back to Kanye still after all the crazy shit he he says all the time, and people still buy his music. So if the if you're good enough at what you do, there is no level of shit that's going to really get you canceled or ostracized or anything. So that's one. But if it's not like that, you'd have to do it the right way. You'd have to do it slowly and it'd have to be genuine. It wouldn't, you'd have to earn people's trust, I guess, that it wasn't just for the sake of some stupid shit, I guess, on, on the internet. But and know your audience. Yeah. That definitely also helps too. And if also think if a lot of the artists that you listen to are gimmicky, maybe there should be there might be something wrong with who you're listening to. <laughs> <laughs> like maybe try better. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, there's there's a good kind of gimmicky though. There is. There's for a sure. good kind of gimmicky. There's a, there's a great kind of gimmicky and like it, it teeters into that troll area like you're talking about Lil Nas X. I think Tyler does it really well. I think Tyler's great at it. I think, um, like, if you, you could call some of the stuff that Tyler does, like, he'll, like, go on Funk Flex and have an overtly homosexual bar. And he does that for the exact reason that people have given him so sh- much shit about his sexuality that now he plays into it. He's like, okay, well, now I'm just going to fuck with y'all about it. He was also, like, man. very homophobic at the start of his career. That's true, though. too, yeah. And, that, that and, and too. very graphic with, like, yeah, oh, yeah. you know, raping sex styles and shit. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or even, like you were saying, the video where he ate a cockroach. Yeah. He thought it was a real cockroach or whatever like that for a while. So there's always definitely stuff like that. But, but um, another, I guess, uh, that, I mean, that's a good example of somebody who kind of overcame that. And then, I mean, he got kind of, I think you said that in that video, or, uh, the Hulu shit we watched because he was on ridiculousness and the lawyer squad, things like that. He goes, Oh shit, I'm not even getting known for my music anymore. Yeah. And that's yeah. a problem. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, anyways, we got to switch gears a little bit here because we've got about an hour until we head over to see Kareem Riggins down at jazz fest, rock it out with Nick Grant and be yeah, the Chicago kid recording on labor day, by the way. Yeah, so, yes, yes, we are. Yeah. We're giving you a holiday special, baby. Pandemic special. Yeah, the pandemic special. <laughs> but, um, before we um, uh, transition into uh, something old, something new, I did want to kick it over to E-Man um, to just kind of give a uh, condolences in the WWE world before we move on because it was important to him to cover this for sure. So we did talk about Terry Funk, and I don't want to take anything away from that because Terry Funk is a hardcore legend. So I do want to say RIP. He was 73. I think he was 75 I'm say, he, was, he was getting old. I was going to say mid-70s for yeah. sure. So, yeah, I don't want to take away from that because that was heartbreaking. But that same week, probably one of my favorite wrestlers in the past 15 years. And I know a lot of people feel the same way because this guy was one of the ones to get people who, like myself, who actually fell out of wrestling and then got back into it recently. Just off of, like, strength created, just off strong of creativity uh, and just uniqueness and characters. Uh, Bray Wyatt, man, RIP, uh, died of, uh, it was like a heart condition. Yeah, I guess it got, ex- like I got, uh, what do you call it? Sped up through COVID, they say? Yeah, something like that, where he had to be on a breathing machine that was monitoring his breathing machine, and I think he had taken a nap and left it in his car on accident. But, and, 
and so fucking it, nice it's going and it's supposed to wake him up or something like that and he didn't have it or yeah but as far as like terrible. the 2010s 2020 a lot of people talk about you know like roman reigns is the top dog he he really has been like the face of that company for a while however bray wyatt is probably the biggest creative genius to wwe or in professional wrestling in general in my opinion has seen in the past like 10 or 15 years uh just bring in like the wyatt family to uncle howdy to the fireflies to the fiend to like just all these different characters that he brought to life and just kind of you know share with an audience was just super dope uh yeah, it was just one of those ones where I I don't have like celebrity deaths don't typically hit me super hard unless it's somebody I care about. I think like the rat, the last wrestler that really hit me was like Eddie Guerrero. That does happen wow. too. Yeah, and that says a lot. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh. It is it's rough, man. I think he had like four kids too. Yeah, he did. So, mm-hmm. But no, Bray Wyatt was an absolute creative genius with character development and just like bringing these people to life. He had this whole like kind of like dark and twisted. He almost was like a twisted Mr. Rogers in a way with the fireflies. And then the theme was kind of like this like boogeyman undertaker like character for those who, you know, don't watch wrestling anymore Um, or, you know, never did. But it was, yeah, it's rough, man. That was a, yeah, that one, that one, Felt some type of way, and I don't, I don't, and I don't, I don't know the guy personally, clearly, but yeah, yeah as, as a fan of wrestling, that was, uh, yeah, that one was rough. And so, still really young too, you know, thirty-seven years old, something. Thirty-seven was he? Yeah, that's that's really sad. A lot of people were, uh, they did a big tribute to him. Uh, both AEW, WWE, and a couple other, and I think a couple other companies were doing, you know, they had their respects and shit. Yeah. I think uh, AEW, Tony Khan, you know, who's like the owner of AEW, he actually gave people, the like wrestlers, a night off for his funeral, which is, you know, because he was in WWE, mm-hmm. so it's a whole different company. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of cool that that happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's all I have to say about that. R.I.P. Bray Wyatt, man. All right. Let's Wilhelm switch on. Rotunda into something old something new so we can get up out of here and go watch this jam session um but anyways yeah something old something new um in the spirit of um keeping it uh jazz related since it's jazz fest going on this weekend um i wanted to both make both of my picks for something old and something new related to that so for um, my something old that we're going to start it up with this week, I went back to the jazz god who I just spoke about earlier, Wayne Shorter, um, rest in peace, who put out an album in 1963 called Night Dreamer. Um, and Wayne Shorter, man, like, I, if there's any takeaway that I got from watching his Zero Gravity documentary series, was his never ending thirst um for seeking the uh, seeking out and trying to push the limitations of his own mind um he was never satisfied with any uh answer about the universe you know he always wanted to seek out more and that showed in the music that he played he was a firm believer in um not playing any notes that were predictable he always wanted to leave you guessing 
And a lot of the people that they interviewed all credit to him to saying that all the way to the end of his life, he always was pushing the creative envelope, um, no matter what band he was in. And I just really thought this Night Dreamer um, album was uh, just a really good one, man. I went for a walk to it the other day, and um, there's just this, like a really beautiful song called Virgo on there that uh, was sticking to me. Um, I was going to play a little bit of it, but I'm not sure um, what the copyrights are like with Wayne Shorter's music. Probably, so, probably and not. he's a pretty big dude, so I don't want to fuck that up or anything. But if you've never had the opportunity, Wayne Shorter has a gajillion albums and he was in so many different bands, you know, from the days with Art Blakey to, you know, moving on with, uh, and, you know, he had bands with Herbie and, and Jocko and Joe and, you know, all these people like throughout the years, uh, Herbie Hancock, the, that part of the documentary really hit me too with Herbie describing his, um, friendship with, with Wayne, um, but yeah, it was really beautiful and, um, I really recommend, even if you're not a jazz fan. I really think that it's an inspiring documentary to watch. It's three parts long. I think Brad Pitt's actually one of the executive producers of it. But um, but yeah, so shout out to Wayne Shorter. Rest in peace to Wayne Shorter. There's a lot of beautiful, brilliant jazz musicians playing in your honor this weekend. And I mean, he's the kind of guy, he figured it out. He was always trying to figure out how to live forever and how to, how to do that, how to accomplish that. And he's going to do that for ever by all these new musicians that he'll inspire to pick up an instrument so shout out to wayne shorter e-man what you got bud yeah man um so i don't know what made me go down this wormhole maybe i was watching jay and silent bob or some shit the other day <laughs> but i was uh oh no you know what i know exactly what did it so i was driving down i was driving down 94 and there's a billboard for a uh, motor city sound right now uh -huh. i think september 24th they got morris day coming oh shit and i was like oh man oh we, oh, we, oh. <laughs> that was a time song but yeah, yeah. yes yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna talk about a little something a little bit different <laughs> but yeah i uh i wanted to go with the color success uh which was uh the debut studio album by Morris Day. The reason I say it was a debut album because it was Morris Day's first album and I think only album without uh actually no it wasn't his only album for sure. But it was his first album without the time because he, oh, he left the band in nineteen eighty-four, I wanna say. Mm -hmm. The album came out in nineteen eighty-five. So this was probably his most petty album too. I was looking it up because <laughs> he released it the same year and then he followed like the same like six song format. And there's actually like a clip in the album. It was talking about, Oh, didn't he used to be with that band at the time? And something like that, <laughs> it, which is on there. But I, I, Morris Day, I feel like is one of those guys. He's just super entertaining to listen to. His song choice is great. Uh, when I was listening to Don't Wait For Me, and that would be my standout song from it, which is like the big single off of here, um, that should have been the toxic R&B <laughs> like, uh, conversation yeah. that we had a few months ago. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, man, it was just one of those ones where I kind of just listened to it. It's just kind of like a groovy like song to it, too. I yeah. mean, it just had like that straight up like the funk like, like you would like get out of a Morris Day in the Time album. It actually followed that same format, but... Like I said, it's probably his most petty album. But. I like it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, moving on into something new real quick, keeping it in the spirit of jazz. And someone that I was lucky enough to see perform down here in Jazz Fest a couple years ago. He played alto sax um, in Herbie Hancock's band. And that would be Mr. Terrace Martin, 
off the West Coast. Um, him and R&B singer James Fauntleroy released a uh, joint album together called Nova um, over this last week. And it's a six-track short project. It might, I guess you could probably call it an EP, really, because it's like six tracks, 25 minutes long or something like that. But um, it's really dope. It's really great and jazzy. You got Robert Glasper on here. But um, I think you got to credit people like Terrace Martin for kind of saving jazz, if you will. Um, and I know old school jazz heads would probably call that blasphemy because they definitely changed the sound. But that's what jazz is all about. It's all about, you know, interpretive music that is just freedom of expression. And I think people like Terrace and Thundercat and Kamasi, um, you know, those West Coast get down dudes that uh have kind of helped save this uh craft and push it into new uh new avenues and you know get hip-hop involved and and so i think um i have a lot of respect for terrace martin and you know he does a lot of stuff for a lot of people a lot of uh producing and stuff so um i think that album's great and then one that uh that you could consider i think that he's jazz i find I kind of sometimes he almost seems spoken word to me. I've, I've referenced him a lot to, uh, on this podcast as a modern day Gil Scott Heron, and that's fucking Mick Jenkins, man. Mick Jenkins' new project, The Patience, um, is out, and it's probably his most feature heavy project I've ever seen him on there. He's got um, JIDs uh, on one of the songs, Vic Mensa's on one of the songs, I think Benny the Butcher, Freddie Gibbs are both on it um but yeah mick is just a great artist he's super lyrical and i've always been a giant fan of his so yeah go stream his new project called the patience e-man what you got we didn't talk about fake fake beefs did we fake beefs no we sort of did we, uh, well yeah that was part of it too like fake fake relationships okay that comes with fake beefs too there's definitely that a lot of that <laughs> so reckon like shit morris day and prince <laughs> yeah that big time that's what i was just i was about to go into that that and then i remember like 50 and kanye with that album so oh, yeah they did that's a good point things like that that's a great anyway point. uh we, we are wrapping up so i won't go into that now yeah but i want to talk about the no name sundial album as my something Ooh. New, which was like the weirdest album cover Probably of the year um, to me in the hip hop R and B category. I've definitely seen some rock ones that were fucking wild. This year too. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, this album. I mean, no name is gonna no name at the end of the day. So this album is exactly what I would expect from her. I do love the J Electronica feature. There's some name dropping on there. There's some great vibes on there. There is some really really good re-listenable music on this project. Uh, I would say that No Name is also one of those people that has like this, this is like almost like this melodic sounding voice to it, just naturally, like you know, like when people like, use like the auto tune and stuff like that, and they have like mm. the melodic category in the Grammys or whatever. I'm not talking about that shit. I'm just talking about like how her music just rides with her production. She's it's very just so perfect. Too. That's exactly what I mean, man. Yeah. It's just like it just flows. It just her. I don't see her production for many other artists. I didn't know Saba was producing. That's tight. Saba produced on there. That's super. And Yusef Deus. I love Yusef Deus music. But yeah, this is her uh, first project since Room 25 in 2018. And, you know, she had some bunch of 
controversy and all that shit going on with that too that you know, like I didn't want to make music anymore because it was like white people all their audience and things like that she's the type but, of artist I think could benefit from getting off social media for sure like it, fu- it, it really it really fucks with her head it does I see it on Twitter for sure or well I used to I don't know with that said no name makes great music she does so when I was looking at it there was um there's a uh, the original title was called Factory Baby and I was when I was I, I actually just saw that reading this now and then like thinking about the album and I'm like that kind of makes sense because there's a lot of like machine like people like, like saying that like okay the machine is pushing these artists uh, there's a lot of like you know I guess it goes into the topic of like you know uh, what we we're talking about with the uh, shock value there's mm-hmm. a lot of genetically modified like modified like artists and beefs and controversies and all that stuff that goes on in the industry and then that, that there's actually a big topic on this album yeah. too so Shit, beef sells so much music fuck yeah, <laughs> and and kills artists too, yeah, that unfortunately. too unfortunately um yeah i but yeah it's a it's a great project man start to finish really loved it the J electronica feature they said he was talking about the uh the ukraine uh war was a hoax oh jesus christ won't go into that too much in detail but yeah that's that's definitely on the album so yeah i'd really enjoyed it and that was my something new i do have i would say i guess we're at that point where we can start talking about like top albums of the year too because we're almost through we're almost hitting the fourth quarter we're getting there man we're getting there yeah, for sure like the last month of the third so yeah definitely uh, um what was i gonna say before we go let's see here what sh- who should i play us out well i'm gonna play a little bit of uh mix album on the roll out here but um well there was something else i wanted to say oh yeah i wanted to say um quickly before we get out of here since we were talking about jazz a little bit um, shout out to Jazz Fest artist in residence this year, Kareem Riggins. Big time, man. Big time, man. Like, um, you know, he's a, a legend in the jazz and hip hop world. He's done a lot of producing for a lot of artists. Common, you know, specifically is always with them. And he put on a hell of a show with Mad Lib and a band the, the on Jay Friday. The Jay Dilla tribute yesterday. Then, yeah, yesterday. The Jay Dilla tribute. He had Mad Lib. Black Milk was there. T3 from Slum Village was there. Common was there. Uh, Shout out to MB the Light Monica Blair yes, by the way yes. too and uh, PJ absolutely PJ killed too, it as well yep. too and DJ Dummy and J Rock and yeah it was a, it was a really great time um, and yeah we're about to get out of here right now to go catch him Nick Grant and BJ the Chicago Kid with a full band so um, until next time we will catch you here is a little tiny bit of smoke break dance out of Mick Jenkins and JID good night. Beats, Brews, and Points of View is a product of Dream Over Reality Media and sponsored by Arctic Circle Brewing Company.